What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode four of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm Christian Piles, fired up for today's show. It's going to be a good one. I can feel it. We've got a lot to get to. We've got a lot to talk about. We are excited for our guests. We've got the one and only Chael Sonnen going to be calling in in just a few minutes. Um, but this, this is a busy weekend, man. Busy weekend in wrestling, and it, it's something we're seeing more and more and more. E- every weekend matters. Every weekend's big. And, um, you know, I, we, we got a lot going on. Um, internationally, we've got a lot going on um, collegiately. And, and, of course, we've got FPL4 this Sunday. So there's a lot to talk about. Um, specifically, right now, we've got the Uregan getting ready to get going. We've got a couple of Americans um, set to compete there. We've got Ramos and McDonough are going to be there for at 57. They get started um, actually tonight at 10 Eastern. And uh, this show this show runs on Eastern time because we're in Virginia, and that's, that's where it's at. So um, that's, where we, that's where we go with. So they're getting rolling um, soon, actually, just a, two hours from now, and as well as Andrew Howe at 74. Um, and then tomorrow... Um, we'll have Metcalf and Pico and maybe Jimmy Kennedy. I thought I saw that, but then in the entry I saw he wasn't there, so I'm not sure if we'll see Kennedy or not. But they'll be wrestling in the 65-kilogram bracket. And if, if you don't know, the Uregan is um, it's billed as the, the toughest tournament in the world. And I don't know if that's actually true, but that's how people describe it. So, hey, you go with it. Um, but it's tough, filled with tons and tons of um, Russians and, and elite foreign competition and we, as Americans, do not have a strong track record um, of success at this tournament. So, always exciting to see how how it's gonna how it's gonna pan out for us. Um, additionally, we've got Herbert, Jake Herbert's gonna be competing, and Phil Ketty at eighty six. Um, so, Herbert's kind of beginning his comeback. He's been um, out there wrestling a little bit, but this is his first huge test. And uh, of course, we got the big man Tervel Delagnev. At 125, so that's going to be going on this weekend. We're going to try to keep you as up to date as possible um, with uh, with what's going to be going on here. So it's going to be a, a big tournament. If you, if you didn't see my weekend top ten, um, it's a big one. But we'll, before we get into that, we got Chael Sonnen coming on here. Let me ring him in. Chael, you're on. How's it going, man? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. How how things been going for you? Uh, you know what? Buying low and selling high, my man. Living the dream. Awesome. I, I can relate. I can relate for sure. So, hey, last time we we spoke, you you were giving me the business about this the the best high school wrestlers of all time, man. You were fired up. You were spitting facts faster than not my brain could process them, man. I didn't realize you were like. This encyclopedia of All right, do you want me to tell this story? Do you want me to set this up for the audience? I, I can set it up, and then you can take it away. How's that? All right, go ahead. So I get, I see a tweet. I'm at the scuffle. Me and Bracky are sitting there, and uh, we always got Twitter up, and I just see his tweet from um, Chael Sonnen. It just says, call me. I'm like, okay. So I called you right away, because um, that's what you do when Chael Sonnen says, call me. So I called you up, right. and you're like, I read your article. I'm like, 
you did? I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. I write quite a few. He's like, yeah, the best high school wrestlers of all time. So I'm like, well, that, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. So it took a while for me to convince him I didn't write it because he, he really wanted to lay into me. So why don't you take it from there, Chael? All right, so I get an article, and I read this article, and I would swear I got it right off of Flow Wrestling, and I would swear that you wrote it. Now, I will admit early, I'll give the punchline away, that my frustration was misplaced, that, <laughs> that you were not the author of the article, and apparently said article was actually written about four or five years ago, and I, and I still haven't pieced together how I just saw it. But I saw this article, and it listed the top 20 High school, the best high school wrestlers of all time from America. And the article had it wrong. It was absolutely wrong. And the very first thing you have to understand if you're going to have this debate is if you're saying the best high school wrestler, then you have to keep it within the constraints of high school wrestling, which I will, I, I will concede carries over to the junior division, but you have to keep it right there. And this article kept being impressed and kept elevating different guys. And they were all studs, but they were in the wrong order. It kept elevating guys uh, for entering the Midlands, by example, or competing in the National Open. They would always compete outside of their age group, and they would have success, and therefore it elevated them in this ranking. If you're going to say the greatest high school wrestler of all times, you have to keep it within high school, and there is no debate. The greatest wrestler to ever come through the United States for high school and junior division is a kid from Georgia named Sean Hagg. He was a undefeated four-time collegiate state champion, four-time Greco-Roman, four-time freestyle state champion. That's in Georgia. They don't have great wrestling out there. I, I understand that, but he still never got beat. He went to the Cadet Nationals as a freshman. This is a 191 pounds, I'd like to remind you. So this isn't where he's wrestling, uh, you know, young, young guys the whole time. He's wrestling real-sized weight division. So he enters the Cadet Nationals as a freshman. He doubles up, double champion. He doesn't enter the Cadet Nationals again. Instead, he goes to Fargo. Now, for current wrestling fans, the Cadets and the Juniors both wrestle in Fargo, but they didn't used to. The Cadets used to be in Missouri, uh, and the Juniors were in Fargo. It was two separate tournaments, so you could, still, you, you could still enter each. He enters the Junior Nationals as a sophomore. He doubles up. Freestyle and Greco at 191 pounds. He enters as a junior. He doubles up. He enters as a senior. He doubles up. He's a six-time junior national champion, a four-time state champion in every style that they contest, two-time cadet national champion. He then goes on and represents the U.S. at the junior world championships, and he wins the gold medal. <laughs> there has never been another high school wrestler ever to have done all of those things. That's never had, He is the one and only to go absolutely Cale Sanderson unblemished in high school from his, from his high school team to the world championships. He is the greatest junior wrestler there's ever been. Now, he fizzled out in college. He dealt with an injury or something happened. He went to West Virginia. He was the number one recruit. I don't know what happened, but he fizzled out. I don't think he even uh, was the starting guy out there uh, for four straight years. But uh, people have held that against him. And the reality is, if you operate within the constraints of junior division, you have to look at that guy. The next guy that got overlooked completely, mm -hmm. wasn't even on the list, was Oscar Wood. Oscar Wood is a five-time junior national champion. He is the first-ever four-time junior national Greco-Roman champion. His freshman year at the junior nationals, his freshman year, Christian, are you listening to this? I'm, I'm with freshman you. Year, freshman year, he had a senior in the finals by the name of Brandon Paulson. 
Brandon Paulson was ranked number three at the time on the senior level. He went on to make several senior teams, including being an Olympic finalist for this country. Oscar Wood beat him as a freshman. Oscar Wood took out Eric Guerrero 10 to nothing. He the Eric Guerrero. There's not two of them. He took out the Eric Guerrero 10 to nothing. He rematched Eric Guerrero at the Junior Nationals. He beat him 4 to 2 in the semifinals. He also wrestled Willie Weinberg in an opening round at what was called the Southeast Regionals at the time. It was a Vegas. It was side-by-side side with the National Open. And, and Willie Weinberg was a junior world champion, one of the only ones we had at that time, and Oscar took him out 8-3. to three. He wasn't even mentioned on the list. Mm. The list did have it right. The list, the, the list was close to right. They listed Kerry Collette as the number one high school wrestler of all time, but they listed him for the wrong reasons. They listed him because he went to the Midlands, he played seventh, because he went to the National Opens and he won matches. Because he, he, he had such great success, but even Kerry Collette, as great as he was, and he was great, did not win a junior world championship. The, the greatest junior of all time, there is no conversation on it. It is Sean Hag, and most people don't even know that name, but they do now. And he deserves it. He deserves to be recognized as, as the greatest we ever had. He never lost from the high school level to the world championships. He never, ever, zero times, either style, got beat. Wow. Well, hey. You got me convinced, for for what it's worth, and probably a lot of people out there listening are now... It's very difficult to argue against. It's a very (laughs) difficult logic to argue against. And the only time people attempt to defeat me in this argument is when they start reaching to to things, you know, they'll bring up the former SPAW division, or they'll bring up the university division. Those Those are good, solid arguments, but they only come into play if everything is equal. If I put a junior national champ up and you put a junior national champ up, then maybe we have to go outside the box. Mm-hmm. But until that box is complete, if you're same high school, you're same junior, you, you got to operate within that. And it's Hag. That's it. I hear you. I hear you. I'm on board. Sean Hag for life. Definitely number one. Um, so so that was that uh, little experience. But glad we got that worked out. I'm glad people know your side and, and why you think. Yeah, so it turned out. It turned out you did, did, did we already tell the punchline? It turned out that after I gave you that same that same rant that I, I just did that you didn't even write the article. Right, so, I didn't I don't write. I know why I got it. I don't. I don't know why I got. I ended up having to Google it after the fact. And yeah, it was like an intermat piece from years ago. And I, and I don't need. I don't need the author of it. So you got blamed for no reason. So that's that, okay. That's my my off brand apology to you. I'll I'll take it. And you know what? I I learned something. So in in a way, I I thank you for. For, for calling me out because I wouldn't I, w- I will not lie I did not know the name Sean Hag until you educated me so I yeah. appreciate that um, moving on this weekend you are actually going to be on location for FPL4 on the call we're so excited about that and um, wanted to get your thoughts on, on maybe the card Who, what are some matches you're obviously the headlining match Ben Askren versus Clayton Foster but maybe down the card you know Max Askren versus Deron Wynn or Cologne versus BB what, what are some um, you know matches you're really excited about or certain wrestlers that really get you fired up well, you know, it's funny. The, the, the same way I, I called you with, with, with mis, misplaced anger, I called Ben Askren. And what had happened was Missouri wrestled Ohio State. Now, the biggest match in college wrestling this year, you know, you go back a couple of years, uh, it was Dakin Taylor, which is, you know, the biggest of the last 20 years, but it was Dakin Taylor. Right. You go back to last year, the most anticipated, anticipated match was Andrew Howe uh, versus Chris Perry this year. It's world champion Kyle Snyder taking on Jaden Cox. So the match finally comes around. <laughs> uh, 
Schneider steps onto the mat. Ohio State has to put their guy up first. Schneider takes takes to the mat, and the national champion doesn't. He he moves up to heavyweight. And it was a good move by Missouri. I understand that. But it was the wrong call because it, they, they put their duel in front of what was best for the sport, and I'm still upset about it. They needed to put that match together. They said they'd bring their teams. They said they'd put their squads out there, and Missouri didn't do it. So I called Askren because he's an alumni at Missouri. Right. And he stood his ground. He told me all the reasons I was right. And he made a compelling argument, and, and the duel did calm down. It was tied 18-18. to It favored Missouri on, like, the third piece of criteria. So they end up winning the dual meet, and that was a big one, two top ten teams. Uh, but Askren stood his ground. That that's, that's the way it should have been, and the Cox had been heavyweight all season. But I still pled my case, and then before I got off the call, he's like, hey, by the way, why don't, why don't you come out and uh, uh, commentate this gig? So I called him, and I ended up with a job out of the deal, but <laughs> it wasn't my intent. My intent was that he go to Coach Stith and plead the case that the case that, that match needs to happen. On at the agreed upon time, which is now passed, and we're you know we're going to have to wait till till the Big Ten championship. So Missouri's in the Big Ten now, correct? No, they are in the MAC now. They are still Big Twelve. Oh, they are. Okay, I knew they left the Big Twelve. I just assumed they went to the Big Ten. That just happened. That's like a year ago. Or yeah, just right. Just, that, that yeah, that just happened. Yeah, very recent that they've moved. Okay, they've moved the MAC with you and I and Kent State, et cetera. But yeah, so they're they're in that conference now. That was a definite. Um, you know, it's one of those where you empathize with the coaches, but at the same time, it's like, gosh, this is the one everyone wants to see. And, you know, Jaden was, um, I don't know if you could see or, or if you saw, but Jaden was pretty upset, not upset, but, you know, he was disappointed. He wanted the match, too, but, you know, the coaches are making the decision to win the duel because, you know, that's their bottom line. So it, it puts a, a, us in kind of a difficult situation when coaches have to make decisions that are maybe outside of what is the fans best interest so it's always a tough call and i i don't envy uh, their position there you know i understand that but i but i don't think it is a tough call you you put what's best for the sport in front of everything in front of one athlete or in front of a dual meet or in front of your team or your bottom line as you put it you do what is best for the sport first they said they would bring their squads they brought their squads. People came out. People bought tickets. People like me were tuning in online. The match didn't happen. That's a bad by Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Period. I, I won't. I won't disagree. I won't disagree there. I was disappointed as well. Um, so, so what are you looking forward to in this Ben Askren versus versus Clayton Foster match? The definite style right, contrast. Ben, ben Askren should get his ass kicked. <laughs> there is no reason that Ben Askren should be able to move up a weight class and compete with Clayton Foster. Now, Clayton Foster. He keeps getting recognized as an NCAA finalist, and he was. But let me remind you, he won the World Cup last year. To win the World Cup, on Friday night, he beat the Iranian, who was the defending, the 2013, the defending bronze medalist from the World Championships. Okay, He comes back the next night, one day later, so it's a two-day tournament, comes back the next night and has to wrestle the Ukrainian, who is the defending world champion from 2013. He takes out the Iranian the night before. He takes out the Ukrainian uh, the night of for the gold medal. He, he, he won the World Cup for the country, uh, but he was ahead of the Ukrainian, 5-0 at the end of the first period. He ends up winning the match 8-3. to uh, I mean, it was, it, it was a huge deal, a huge win. This is the guy. He, he also had a 10-11. He had 10 points. 
Ed Ruth had 11 points at the World Team Trials last year. He is yeah. right there to be the guy, and he competes very well internationally. Ben Askren should get his ass kicked, but he's not going to. It's Ben Askren, and the <laughs> rules don't seem to apply to him. He will go up in weight. He'll wrestle a heavyweight. He'll wrestle a guy his size. He'll go down and wrestle a 57-pounder like he did with Mike Paulette. He will wrestle anybody at any time. And I don't know that he's going to win this match. I, I, I actually don't think he But he's not going to get his ass kicked. He just won't. He just he will find a way to stay in there. He'll find a way to create scrambles. He's going to show Clayton Foster some weird stuff that Clayton hasn't seen before. Uh and he's you know Ben's in great shape and he's funky and he's awkward and he seems to just not lose a step you know a guy that's not wrestling every day twice a day should lose a step and he just hasn't in some ways he's gotten better yeah it's it's kind of bizarre that that he trains pretty much full time fighting and he can still keep his shots but I think it speaks to kind of his unique style and just kind of his his mindset and body awareness I think it allows him to age differently in the sport than most people will because he doesn't rely on the things that that most wrestlers have so it, it's going to be a great one I, I tell you what I don't I don't know I, I'm kind of like you it's if you if you just say it out loud Clayton Foster and what he's done and watching him it, it really shouldn't be close. But we know Ben's going to find a way to put himself in position to win, and I'm not inclined oh, yeah. to pick against him. So, who no, knows? Ben, ben will get some points. I am picking against him, but but not a lot of people are. I talked to Daniel Cormier. I, I talked to Tommy Rollins. I, I talked to some guys in the know that follow the sport that are both taking uh, aspirin. They they just think he's going to win. I don't. I I, I am. I am, I am not favoring him come, come Sunday. I will be completely biased. I, I, I'm just saying this now before I'm in the booth. But he should not win this match. He, he just he really shouldn't. And Clayton Foster is really firing on all cylinders right now. Clay, I thought Clayton Foster was going to retire after college. And I think he even did for mm-hmm. a year. And then he came yeah. back and started had great success in the room. Uh, you know, the guys were talking, well, Kenny Monday was still in the Oklahoma State room. Kenny Monday was saying, look, this, this guy can be the guy. And he finally started to believe it. And, and he just might be. That weight class is, I, I have no idea. You know, now you've got Herbert back uh, in the weight. John Reeder's wrestling better than ever. You've got Chris Perry, who just might be the best wrestler, skill for skill, move for move, in the weight class. Right. Yeah, he was third in the open as a freshman and, and, and then left the, the, the style and just focused on collegiate. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's in there. He's on the national team. He's young. All that, all that exciting stuff. I don't know. In that in that weight class, it's very interesting, particularly with the with the addition of Jake Herbert. That that just throws a whole new wrench into things that nobody was planning for, including Ed Ruth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of our more loaded weights. Seventy four kind of got a lot of love with with Burroughs, Dake, and Taylor and Howe, but now maybe it's shifting towards eighty four. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be great as a Greco guy. Um, what, what do you see in, in Joe Clone? Now he's a freestyle wrestler, but I, I see his style. I think it would he would transition really well to Greco. What do you think? And what do you know about Joe Every, Colon? Everybody thinks that, and, and I and I will co-sign that statement. I, I I don't know why he's doing freestyle. I mean, I, I get it. And he's and he's a hell of a freestyle wrestler. Right. He, he was an excellent collegiate wrestler. If they, if they wrestled that that bracket. You know, three times he wins it at least once. Uh, he ended up third as a senior, but right. if he just, you know, it was just one of those days. He, he he was as good as anybody. He was as good as Ramos or anybody else in the weight class. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see him in Greco. Uh, and you, you you brought up seventy four earlier. I I, don't, I can't figure out for the life of me why Andrew Howe hasn't switched to Greco, particularly with his knee injury. 
Right. Uh, yeah, I know B6 and the weight are our most decorated wrestler competing right now, but uh, I, yeah, he, that, that's the style he needs to be in, in my opinion. And I know Matt Lindland agrees with me. I, I, Matt Lindland wants him. Uh, you know, he talked to Mark Cody about him. He talked to Andrew Howe about it. And, and, and Howe has his mindset. He's tougher than hell. He's very determined. Yeah. And question. it's hard to tell a guy that wins the National Open at 19 years old, it's hard to tell him that he's not likely to reach his goals in, in, in freestyle. It's just, it's, a, it's just that weight. Uh, he adds to that weight. Jordan Burroughs will openly tell people that, that Andrew Howe is the second best wrestler in the world. Uh, unless Burroughs has changed his tune and uh, switched over to Dacre Taylor. That's, that's what Burroughs was telling people when he won his first world championship and his first Olympic gold medal. He was saying, look, the next best guy in my own country is Andrew Howe. But I, I'd really like to see him in Greco, particularly with that knee injury. Yeah. He hurt his knee. I mean, come on, this, this is what guys do. They hurt their knee, they switch over to Greco. And Howe is just not buying in. But you know, I didn't mean to get off your Joe Cologne point. I, uh, yes, that's where he needs to go. I, I had a conversation with Mark Perry, assistant coach out there in Illinois, and uh, and that's the first thing he said, too. You know, we're talking about guys that should make the switch, and that was his number one pick. He said, you know, he's already been on the phone with Matt Lindland. And he said, this is the guy that you need to get. And Matt agrees. Matt's on board with it. But, you know, Joe's got his own goals. And it's hard to tell a guy that's a killer, like Joe Colon, yeah. a guy that's a winner, that, 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 that kicks everybody's butt that he touches. It's hard to tell him, hey, you need to switch over to this style. He takes it as an insult. And it's like, Joe, this is not an insult. This is a, a, a we, we, we see an Olympic gold medal in your future right here. And it's big and bright, but, but, but you got to buy in. And it's really hard, man. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, kind of transitioned to Greco. Last or two times ago when we talked, it, it was about you kind of flirting with the idea uh, of a comeback. You hadn't made your decision yet if you were to come back into Greco. You said you needed to decide by the new year. The new year has come and gone. Uh, what did you end up deciding with, Chael? Okay, so so I, and I and I meant it when I said it. I told you I was going to decide by the new year, and I and, and I truly meant it. I ended up having something sprung on me for the entire month of January, and my calendar was wide open except for one month, and, and the entire month of January got eaten up. So uh, I am starting February first. Now I I have been working out, but uh, not enough to get a, a fair read. So I got I got to move it thirty days uh, to, to February first, and I have a weigh in. On April 1st at 4 p.m., uh, so I, I'm going into to training camp for nothing. I'm going into camp to just see if I can uh, then, then, then begin some kind of a reasonable uh, attempt and, and environment and get everything right. So I, I'm moving it forward. I told you I wouldn't do that. I, I meant it when I said it. you you, you got to let me slide on this one. But uh, on April 1st at 4 p.m., I promise you I will have you an answer. Awesome, awesome. Well, and if you have a show, I, I will come on and, and answer you on your show. If, if you don't, I'll, I'll have to send out a, a tweet or, or send you a text message. But I don't even know what day April first is. But that's what the coach put on the calendar: April first, four p.m. I got I got to get down to weight, uh, and I got to be ready to go by then. Either that, or, or he's washing his hands of me. So there you go. Excellent. Well, yeah, April first, we'll be tuning in. No April Fools, though. Um, I was going to say, and don't think that, that there's some kind of an April Fool's there. The coach set the date. It just happens to be April 1st. The reason behind it is I start February 1st. He's, he's giving me exactly two months uh, to be on weight and be in shape and, and, and make a decision. So that's yeah. why I'm not. No, I get it. Um, so you recently um, 
got signed with ESPN. You're an analyst for them. How is how has that been going? Have you enjoyed that? What's it like working for for the mothership? Boy, are they lucky to have me. Yeah, I agree. will tell you. Yeah, they've done a good job over the years, but that was one of their better signings. So good <laughs> for them. But uh, you know what? It's it, it's been great. That that is a a totally different industry, and I never had goals or visions of being a a commentator, an analyst, like growing up as a kid and people say, hey, what do you want to be? I, that, never. Never did that cross my mind. And it wasn't even an option. You know, the, those opportunities all came all came along later. Uh, Dana White and the leadership of the UFC just created an entire industry. And and that's one of the spinoffs and one of the opportunities that I was uh, fortunate and very happy to be part of it. Uh, but ES, ESPN is incredible, man. I, I, I don't know that role very well you know that, that there's an old language that comes with that and and in words and cues and things that i'm still adjusting to but uh i i've been learning very quickly and and, and espn i mean like you said that's the mothership that's that's the place to do it yeah yeah and, and staying in the vein of media you've got your podcast you're welcome and uh, i listen to it fairly regularly uh, whenever i get a chance what what was what was your, I don't know if, if inspiration's right word, but what was the impetus behind wanting to do a podcast, wanting to do that? You know, I didn't know. Here's what I knew about podcasts when I started three months ago. I thought podcast was two words. I thought it was pod, space, cat. Uh, so my learning curve has been very quick on that. But basically what had happened uh, is I, I did a few. I, I did Stone Cold Steve Austin's, and I did Chris Jericho's. Uh, I did all the Jason Bryant and... and I was getting really good feedback, and, and my whole life, of at least for, for feedback, is Twitter. That that is my focus group. And if if I start getting a lot of tweets on something, I, I, I know I, I'm onto something good. If I put an idea out and I don't get a lot of tweets back, I, I know okay that one was a little bit cold. And uh, I did these other guys' podcasts, and man, I couldn't believe how many people had listened to it. I didn't even know what one was to the point that I didn't even know how to spell it. Like I just told you a moment ago, and. I, I, there were so many people to do. There's so many people that are downloading these things and know about the computers and the iTunes and, and what apps to have. And, and it was just this wildly popular deal. So I was talking to Steve Austin about it, and he said, man, this, this is this is the future. This is where radio's going. He said advertisers are pulling out of radio. They're moving over to podcasting because they can have an exact audit on, on how many people are listening. It's not just throw it on the air and, and hope somebody's in their car with the radio on. And I found out he's right, that advertisers are agreeing that that is where they want to be. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to take his advice and get in. And I, I don't know, you know, success-wise how, how well he's doing, but his podcast, Stone Cold's podcast, has been number one in the sport demographic. He sits at number one week after week after week, and it's to the point now that he's turning down movie roles to stay home and, and do his podcast. So, you know, he's having fun with it. I thought, well, that is kind of fun. You know, I've always enjoyed going on people's podcasts, uh, including, you know, talking with you right now. This is fun. And uh, I thought, well, man, if you can if you can turn something fun into a job, it's, it's a pretty rare thing. I want to give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... it's uh... It's definitely something I've enjoyed. I like the way you you run it. It's very conversational, and you know, and I think an advantage you have is is the access and and kind of knowing many of the athletes and the people you have on. I think it it's a uh, so if you haven't well, you it out, you are a very good judge of talent. Add yeah. that to add that to your list of credentials. Okay, okay. You know a good thing when you see it. You're darn right. You're darn right. Okay, so that's good. The the podcast's great. Um, you could be tuning into the Oregon. It's getting going. Shoot, here in an hour and a half, you're going to be 
Um, watching any? Oh, forget it. I can't wait. I, 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 and you know what? I'm actually hoping for, for Civil War to go down. I'm hoping for Pico and Metcalf to, to finally get this thing figured out. You know, you talk about, earlier I was talking about Schneider and Cox is, is the match of the year. But for the international circuit, at least domestically, I think that that's one of them. I, I don't know if that's the one, but it's definitely one of them. People want to know, you know, how can Pico do against Metcalf? There was rumors coming out of the practice room. Uh, you know, those two had a very close match that ended with punches being thrown. Um, but they've never actually squared off in a match. And, I, and you know, Brett Metcalf isn't going to back down from anybody. I think Brett Metcalf's the best wrestler in the world. I hate how the world championship is contested in wrestling. It infuriates me, uh, which if you have a moment, I'll explain yeah. my point there. But yeah, please. I think he's the best wrestler in the world. Uh, if you watched the World Championships last year and you had to watch it to know this, because Brett's too, uh, Brett is too much of a man to ever use an excuse, ever, 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 but he hurt his foot so bad in the first round of his first match that he could barely walk. He's a guy that will not show pain, and he could not help but to show the pain. He couldn't step on his foot, and he went back down. He wrestled the match. He, he went back into the rubber shot. He, I mean, he did the best he could, but it was not Brett Metcalf. In, in addition, he ends up taking a headbutt, He's got to go out there with the gable head wrap. So he's got his foot wrapped up. He's got his head wrapped up. His head's wrapped up to the point that one of his eyes is restricted vision. So now he, he, he's a one-legged man in an ass-whipping contest that can only see out of one eye. And he still competed. Now, right. it wasn't him. He didn't have as many points as the other guys did. I get it. But uh, I think he's the best wrestler in the world. I don't, I don't know that Pico or anybody's ready for him, but I'm, I'm certainly ready to watch. And when I tell you I don't like how the world is, is contested, in wrestling, you have one shot, one day, one time a year to, to, to prove who you are. Mm -hmm. And if you win that world championship, it can't be taken from you. And that's wrong. In every form of combat, if you are a champion, the next time you step on the mat, the next time you get in the ring, the next time you get into the octagon, that championship is on the line. You don't get to keep it. In wrestling, you get to keep the damn thing. Well, there's no opportunity that way. If I go out and I beat a world champion, I am now the world champion. And finally, Travell finally won his world championship. And the wrestling community isn't recognizing that right now, the same as they do the FILA world championship in the summer, but they should. Mm -hmm. It's the way it should be. He's got the heavyweight belt. He beat Gatsalov to get it. There's no arguing that... The, those are the two best guys in the world out there wrestling. And if there is an argument, then bring in all comers, and Travell will put the title on the line. But if Travell loses, he loses the world championship. And in wrestling, they let these guys run with it, and, and you get to keep it for life. And, and that's a really cool thing. I admire those guys that have it, but it, it takes away from the opportunity. If you're the Olympic champion, you step on the mat, it's for the Olympic championship. And if you drop it, you lose the Olympic championship. It's that simple. And you still get it. You still get it. All your glory. You're going to say, man, I was the Olympic champion. I was the world champion. But these guys get to keep it forever. It doesn't work that way. If you've got a title, you step into combat. That title goes on the line. Travell is the world champion, and he needs to be recognized as that. That is a legitimate world championship for me. I recognize him as the heavyweight world champion, and I hope other, other people do too. I also recognize whoever wins the FIBA world championship in the summer. I just, I just argue that they get to hold it forever. If you step on the mat, it's for the world. Let me tell you a quick story. Okay. A lot of people don't know this story. Dave Schultz, okay? Now, this is a man right here. This is a man. This is a man's story. It, I... I 
oh, it makes, it makes me quiver when I even think about this. Dave Schultz wrestled in the Olympic Games in 1984. Okay, Dave Schultz was the defending world champion. He won in 1983. Fully contested world championships. But in 1984, Russia, their scumbag president, did the same thing that our scumbag president did in 1980, which is they boycotted the Olympic Games. So they screwed over every athlete that had dedicated their entire lives to their sport and don't let them go to, to the biggest championship there is. But the point is the Soviets, they were known as the USSR back then. This is before the breakup uh, of Russia, the Soviet Union. The Soviets, Russia, was the powerhouse, same as they are today. They boycott the Olympic Games. Dave Schultz wins the Olympic gold medal. Five weeks later, Dave Schultz is in France. I believe it was in France. It was in Europe. I'm quite sure it was in France. Dave Schultz meets up in the finals with the Russian. He shakes the Russian's hand, and he says, this is for the gold. Huh. He loses that match 5-4, to four, and never, not one day again, did Dave Schultz claim that he was the Olympic champion. If Dave Schultz did a camp, he never put that on the brochure. Somebody else might put it down. But he never once called himself an Olympic champion. He died in 1996 and, in his mind, was not an Olympic champion. He believes he lost it that day to the Soviet. And I think that that's honorable, and I think that's the way that it should be. If you win a championship, you step into any form of combat, that championship goes on the line. Yeah. Hey, it seems like Dave Schultz is, is uh, of a similar mindset, and that's to be lauded for sure. Um, I can hardly even tell that story. I, I think I think it, I, I think I think it's one of the greatest wrestling stories that there is, and, and not very many people know it. Not not a whole no. lot of people know that story. No, never heard that in my life. That's a, that's an amazing story. Um, so you you mentioned Pico Metcalf. What what are your thoughts on Pico in general? The um, you know foregoing high school competition. He's not going to. Um, wrestle in college. He's already signed like an MMA deal. Um, what did you take of that? What do you see in him as a prospect, um, both wrestling and MMA? You know, I've been asked that uh, a number of times, and this is going to be a hindsight issue. You know, we're going to have to kick the can down the road 10 years and see where he's at. Right. It's very admirable what he did. He sacrificed everything. Um, I, I think that generally for human development, uh, it, it's important to stay the course. When you're a cadet, it's important to stay in the cadet division and wrestle every cadet tournament you can. When you're a junior, do the same university and work your way up. When you get a star like Pico, when you get a racehorse like that, it, it, it's hard to pull him back sometimes, and you've mm-hmm. got to just turn him loose. But for development, I do believe the schools, the public school system is important. I think he needs to go to the prom. I think he needs to get his heart broke a time or two. Uh, and then we get into wrestling. He jumped the line. I think he is likely to meet his goals, being an Olympic and world champion. I think he'll be a world champion uh, over in Bellator where he signed, and, and I think that's awesome. But it's just it's going to be a hindsight thing where we got to look back. I appreciate it. I appreciate him winning the silver medal for this this country in the junior world. I appreciate the gold medal he won for the country in the cadet world. But uh, he's sacrificing a lot, and and I I just hope it's not. I hope he's not sacrificing too much. I think he could have stayed the course in high school, and I don't think he would have lost a single step. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's definitely something that's been a, a definite wide topic of conversation for sure. Um, the the state of 
of the health of wrestling is is kind of always in the the conscious of, of a wrestling fan's mind, and, and there's always a lot of different theories about you know what the direction we're going. Was curious about with the change from FILA to United World Wrestling, and now they're they're um, they're talking about uniform changes. How do you feel about the the current um, health of, of wrestling in general, maybe at the international level? Well, it's awesome in that they're trying new things. I don't know that I agree with the uniform change, but it doesn't really matter if I agree. Uh, right. You know, I'm a traditionalist, and this is what I grew up wearing. I, I, I expect a certain look when I walk into wrestling. That doesn't mean that my image of it is right. I, I love that they're trying things. They've even changed the, the mat that they're going to wrestle on right. and the color of the mat. They've changed what the referees are wearing. The rules are just, oh, my gosh, the rules are just perfect. Yeah. I mean, this is wrestling again. This is this is where the toughest guy wins again. And for a while in there, it went to a game. Uh, yeah. You know, you had the ball grab, you had all this luck, and it was it was, it was just a game. And, and now it's back to a sport. It's a sport of men. And I just I just can't say enough about the rules. They're just absolutely perfect. Uh, but I think that they're doing some good stuff, man. I think that the way wrestling is being presented, you know, the, the last international wrestling I got to see was the World Cup. It was in L.A. in a beautiful stadium. They had all the production, the big screens, the smoke, the lights. Uh, killer announcer out there. I mean, just everything was right, and, and you know that's moving forward. Matt Lemon's going to bring that to the table for Greco. In fact, he's he's about to. Uh, I think it's this weekend. If I, if I'm wrong, it's next weekend. But he, he's got a big thing coming up uh, called the Pinto Cup, and he's going to bring that full production value to it. And he's putting some awesome wrestlers out there, and uh, you know, I, I think that it's really good. I think it's really good that they are trying things that they're not stagnant anymore, that they're not changing the rules every three months. Uh, I, I think the last guy that was ahead of Phil was a crook. I think him mm-hmm. being thrown out of his job is not enough. Yeah. Uh, he was a crook. He was a thief. Uh, he was a fraud. He was a he was He was every bad name I can think to call him. I, I couldn't be happier that he's gone, yeah. uh, and I don't think it's enough. He really hurt a lot of people and profited from it, and, and it's wrong. But if, if his resignation, or, or at least his removal, uh, is all we can get, then fine, we'll move forward. But the new guy that they got is very good. He's a visionary. He, he's got an idea in his mind of what wrestling can be, and he's moving forward with it. And and that's on an international level. I mean, when you can get that on an international level, it's incredible. Right here on our on our national level, at USA Wrestling, the leadership couldn't be better. Mm-hmm. You, you know, what Rich Bender's doing out there and, and, and the fight that he, that he and Les Gutchess and all the guys went through. But... Uh, to, to save wrestling and save Olympic wrestling is tremendous. It was unthanked. Rich Bender's never been thanked. Les Cutches has never been thanked. You know, it was just seen as part of the job. But they stepped up and did it. Yeah. And they raised a ton of money and a ton of awareness. And, and America was really the driving force. You know, Russia didn't even come to the table as much as we thought that they would. Uh, Cuba didn't come to the table as much as you hoped that they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Iranians were very good, and so were the Americans. But it was led by the American charge. It was led by, led by Rich Bender and Les Gutches uh, and all the guys at USA Wrestling. And, uh, and, and I mean, they, they deserve to be where they are. They're really, really doing good things for this country. The sport of wrestling, there's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan. And, and you know, you, you can say that all you want, but right now, the, the rules are the way they should be. The way it's headed is the way that it should be. The guys that are competing and we still don't have all the guys. You know, you were asking me earlier if I'm going to come back. Well, I get Olympic fever, man. I'm a wrestler. I miss it. I love the smell of the restroom. I love the whole thing. I love, I love the sound of the whistle. I love walking to the gym. I love the weigh-in. I love everything about it. But there's guys out there that are far more likely than me to have success 
that need to come out and wrestle, and they're not doing it. You know, Stephen Abbas comes to mind. Mm. Stephen Abbas should, should be in every damn turn. Ben Askren comes to mind. Yeah. Ben, Askren, ben Askren will wrestle in the National Open if one thing happens, and that is somebody calls him and asks him to wrestle in the National Open. If they don't ask him, he's not going to do it. If they invite him or somebody challenges him, I assure you he will answer that challenge, and he will put his $25 entry fee down. He'll get on the scale, and he'll walk out there and, and wrestle. But, you know, we've got these guys that are in the practice room every day that are absolute killers. Jake Barner was almost one of these guys. Jake Barner yeah. almost didn't come back. He's one of these guys that's in the room twice a day, every day. He's in great shape. Why not throw down your $25 and put a singlet on? Uh, you know, King King Mo is out there. He's training every day. Uh, Daniel Cormier is out there. Now, now, those guys put their time in. They made world and Olympic teams. They did good stuff. If they want to call it a career, they can. But why? Why not come back? Why don't we all come back? Let's, let's, let's make a little deal. You know, let's get Joe Warren coming back. Let's get all these guys that are in shape. Let's get Daryl Christian. All these guys that are still in the wrestling room, still working out, still in great shape, and still want to do it. What is holding them back? The fear of losing? Like, come on, that's no reason not to do something. Yeah. No, it'd be, it'd be great to see all those guys put out there. And Abbas comes, comes to mind. I just remember um, last year, he... He beat uh, Nick Simmons at that the what that thing in Vegas, Agon. That, in a, that was amazing. In a nine minute match, unbelievable. Interesting thing about that, yeah, the fact that he won was unbelievable. I agree with you, but the fact that it was a nine minute match is very relevant because now now there's no question that Abbas is training. There's no question you can't go out and go nine minutes. You can't do it. No, you just can't. Wrestling is too hard. It's not meant for nine minutes. Agon was a nine minute match, and he stood out there and went with Nick Simmons who was in a finalist of the, of the mini-tournament from the, the previous year, yeah. you know, that, that, that almost made a world team. So, uh, you know, beats him three to two. You're going, Abbas, what you, why are you not in Vegas in April? This doesn't make any sense. And if there's an answer, then tell us what it is. Do we need to bribe you? Then tell <laughs> us your goddamn price. There's people out there that will pay it. But what is holding these guys back? You know, and Aspirin's another one of them. Aspirin's as guilty as anybody. That he's an absolute killer. He's an absolute draw. He he understands marketing of wrestling better than any wrestler. The only one even close in the last ten years is, is King Mo, mm. uh, and he should be in the open. And 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 I don't think that the the, the freestyle coaches understand that he will show up. But you're going to have to call and ask him. He, that's all he's waiting for. He's just waiting for somebody to invite him to do it, and he'll go do it. Well, maybe I'll invite him. Although I'm not a coach, but. I'd love to see Askren put the yeah, shoes back I on. I think you should. Kyle, yeah. If Kyle Bates sent one text, one tweet, and called Ben Askren out, I guarantee you Ben Askren will show up in April at the National Open. I know he will. They're yeah. not, not, even, uh, not even maybe. For sure he will. He works out every day. Chalk the National Open up to a workout. Instead of, instead of doing the practice run for two hours, and go out to Vegas and do it in six-minute increments. It's as simple as that. Yeah, well, we'd all love to see that. Um, yeah. and, you and we need those guys, though. Not only would we love to see them, we need them. We need these guys to come out, man. It's Olympic year. Let's have some fun with it. Let's give the fans something to see. 100% agree with that. And, and you mentioned the um, kind of the personality, the marketing of the sport, and you're a guy known for your personality, and, and um, it has certainly helped you, um, you know, build your brand up and everything. And why, why do you think um, you don't see more wrestlers kind of um, put 
put time into building up their personality and their brand, in the, and not necessarily in the way that you did, but uh, maybe in the way Ben did or other guys have. Why do you think more wrestlers don't do that? It's not in our nature. Wrestling is based around sportsmanship, mm-hmm. and it's just simply not in our nature. One of one of the reasons you get your son into wrestling is to teach him how to lose, right? To teach him how to go out there, be vulnerable, put it all on the line in front of an audience, in a in a, in a leotard, and and lose and walk up walk up the mat and realize that the world still moves forward. To, to realize that that when you get thrown off the horse, you have to get back on. And we instill that at a very young age, and it's the reason we're getting wrestling programs cut. Wrestlers don't stick up for themselves. We're, we're the baddest dudes out there, but we don't punch back. Mm. We turn the other cheek. Time and time again, we turn the other cheek, and we're getting programs cut. We're losing them uh, off from uh, even down to the junior high level. I'm out here in Oregon. I wrestled junior high at my, at my school, 7th and 8th grade. Every school did. It doesn't exist in our state anymore. And it slowly went away and went to, okay, well, if you can self-fund it, we did that. And we lost some, and then they just cut, they cut it all. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm out here in Oregon. We lost Portland State Division One program. We lost the University of Oregon, where I'm an alumni from, Division One program. Uh, and, and, I mean, wrestling's just dying off. But it's uh, the reason it is is wrestlers don't punch back. They don't speak up for themselves. They don't come out and say, we're the baddest dudes out here. We'll kick any of your asses we want. You, you guys in the fancy suits want to make decisions? We'll be standing outside waiting for you. How about we do it that way? <laughs> and, and, and as soon as we start doing that, they're going to start casting votes in our favor. And, and we've always gone the diplomatic approach. And, and I understand that. And I think 9 out of 10 times, even 9.9 out of 10 times, the diplomatic approach is the best approach. But every now and then, when you're the baddest dude in the jungle, you've got to step up and say, come on. Yeah. Come on. We're going we're gonna to do this the old-fashioned way. No question. And, and wrestlers don't do it. They simply don't do it. It's, it's not in our nature. It's instilled not to do it. If, if, you, if you show any kind of emotion like that on a wrestling mat, they, they can even take a point from you. If it's a dual situation, they can cost your team a point. They'll throw you out of a tournament. And, and I think those rules are good. I think the sportsmanship, particularly at a young age, I think these are really, really good things. But there is a point where, you know, enough is enough. And, and, and we are the baddest dudes, and we we do have a voice, and we are going to fight back. And and a few wrestlers do get that, and, and there's nothing wrong with coming forward and putting some showmanship or, or, or saying I'm the best guy. There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. They all say it in their own head. Yeah, you know they all say it in their own minds. Why do you think Andrew Howe won't switch over to to Greco? He thinks he's going to beat everybody in the world. Why do you think Kyle Dake won't do it? Or why do you think David Taylor won't do it? I mean, all these guys think they're the, they're the best. Come out and say it. Don't be afraid to say it, man. It's an exciting thing. Even Jordan Burroughs is, is Mr. Humble. He, he gets over just on his pure success, but that's one of the greatest athletes in the country, one of the greatest athlete, athletes this country has ever had, any yeah. sport. I, I put him out there with, with Mayweather, with Tiger Woods, with LeBron, anybody. Uh, he's one of, the, one of the greatest athletes we've got. People just, just don't know who he is. Uh, and I think largely that's his fault. I think we failed him a little bit wrestling-wise. I think we, we, we have failed in promotion. I think that's changing. We talked about that earlier. I think right. that vision is changing. But I also think that it's it's Burroughs' job, man. He, he works hard. He's very confident. He believes in himself. Let us know. The only difference between Ben Askren and, and Jordan Burroughs is that Ben Askren lets us know. And, and he's the most marketable guy. I mean, when I remember in 2008 when he, when he was going to put the chin in China. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's really funny. And that's marketing. And they had T-shirts for it. They were building signs. You know, he's got the goofy hair going. He's guaranteed us a gold medal. Guaranteed 
a gold medal when when uh, Satiev was still in the weight class. Yeah, that's really compelling stuff for me. Whether he wins or loses, I'm tuning in. I'll right. tune in to see him fall on his face, but I'm going to watch. And, and I mean, even the chin in China thing. Come on, people don't even know what I'm talking about. But he did that in in 2008, and I still remember it here in 2015 because it was awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. That was that was brilliant marketing. Well, Chael, we, we went a little over, but, man, this was awesome. Uh, really appreciate you you appreciate you coming on here. Do you have anything else for us? Yeah, I got all sorts of stuff, man. I got so many thoughts on wrestling, uh, things, things that I love, things that I'm bothered by. You know, I can tell you, when, when I was wrestling, uh, 100% of the focus was on Kale Sanderson, and, and, and he deserved it. He was undefeated. He's breaking records. He's doing all this stuff. But there was two other guys wrestling in that exact same era, mm-hmm. that exact same time that, that, that should have been stars and deserved their attention. One is Stephen Avis, three-time NCAA champion, Olympic silver medals, and the other was Eric Guerrero, yeah. three-time NCAA champion, who did not redshirt, by the way. He was a three-time NCAA champion that never redshirt. He was fifth as a true fifth at, at, at 19 years old. Pretty hard to do. And yeah. and they never got their due. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of guys like that. Kerry Colott never got his due because uh, they took it from him three times, three years in a row. He had uh, an absolute lightning strike. And, and I really just want to encourage people, if I leave you with anything today, I, I want people to ban with me that if you are the world champion and you go out and compete, the championship is on the line. Travel is the true world champion. Travel needs to be recognized as a world champion. We need to acknowledge him and support uh, that league that has, has come forward and put a belt around him. It's real. And if anybody doesn't believe me and anybody thinks they got a tougher guy, bring him on out. Chael, we appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll be seeing you soon. And uh, Oh, I got one thing left. I got one thing left. Let it rip. Kaboom. Kaboom. <laughs> Chael Sonnen, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, that was awesome. We're, I was supposed to go 30 minutes, but it's Chael Sonnen, guys. Come on. It's not too late, is it? So that was great. Uh, Love that. He said, kaboom. You can check him out. If you need more Chael Sonnen in your life, he's got um, You're Welcome. That's his podcast. You might check him out on ESPN. And this Sunday, FPL4 is going down. Chael Sonnen going to be on the call. Um So thanks once again for tuning in, guys, and we will see you next Monday, next Monday at 9 a.m. Central. See you then, guys. Thanks.